Praise God. Let's just start off by going directly to Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse number 25. Proverbs 12, verse number 25. Chapter 12, verse 25. And reading from verse 25. Heaviness in the heart of man makes it stoop, but a good word makes it glad. Heaviness in the heart of man makes it stoop, but a good word makes it glad. glad. Heaviness in the heart of man in terms of any burdens that you're carrying, any worries that you wind up having and that you're carrying around with you, it, it, it tends to make you stoop because it weighs you down. It weighs you down spiritually. If those burdens and those worries that you have are left un, unaddressed, not taken care of, eventually even winds up having a physical uh, 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 problem to you. You, you. you feel a heaviness in your, in, your, in your physical being if you let those problems and any kind of heaviness just linger and fester. But a good word makes it glad. Care, fear, sorrow, anything upon the spirit like that deprives men and women of God of joy or the excitement of daily life. And it, it takes away the courage to do things that you have to get done. We all have things that have to get done. We have to go to work. We have to earn a living. We have to do this. We have to do that. If heaviness sets in and you don't deal with it, then it can deprive you of the joy of life. You know, we all say the scriptures, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Well, if you let heaviness just, just, just linger there, then it's going to weigh you down. A good word from God, however... Apply it to your life by faith, and the key is to take God's word and apply it by faith, will make your heart glad and will give you joy in doing what has to be done in your life, whatever it might be. And many times in our lives there are things that we are not too excited about doing. You know, maybe you don't look forward to doing certain things in life sometimes. We all have things that we have to do that are not always pleasant. But even if you keep in mind what the word of God is saying to you and remembering that you are free... And that was why I had you do in the, be- in the beginning of the service here that shaking thing where you're just shaking off any kind of, you're symbolically shaking off anything that may be, be hindering you or tying you into bondage. You're shaking it off because you're free. But a good word from God applied to your life by faith will make your heart glad and give you joy in doing whatever has to be done, no matter what it might be. Having a heavy heart in any aspect of your life is being in bondage or like being in prison. If you have a heavy heart for anything that's going on in your life, I don't care whether it's dealing with other family members, your job, a situation, or whatever it might be. If you have a heavy heart in any aspect of your life, it's the same thing as you being in bondage because it's taking away your freedom. You see? When you're free, you're not worrying about things. When you're free, you're not carrying a heavy burden. So if you're worrying about something and it's weighing on you, then it's just like you being in bondage. And bondage is the same thing as you being in prison. It's the same thing. And, you know, you know, you know. If, if you have something weighing heavy on you, and you have something to do, you know, and you got to go to a birthday party, let's say for the kids or whatever, and you're going there, and you've got something really weighing on you, say, boy, I wish I could go there and enjoy myself. 
you know, because but I've got this other thing that's constantly in the back of my mind, you know. You know, you'll be sitting there and you know, and all of a sudden you'll be staring out out the window in front of you and whatever it is that's on your mind is just going through your mind while the kids and every everyone else around you is having a good time. Well that's being in bondage, you know. And nothing is worse than that when you're trying to enjoy yourself and you've got all of these negative thoughts going through your mind and you're worrying about something. You're you're not free. You know, you think back to a moment ago when you were shaking yourself like that, setting yourselves free, you know. And you should have seen how you look, by the way. You all look rather crazy doing that. Amen. But that's a good thing. It's a good thing to see you all shaking your arms like that, saying that I'm free. But when you've got something going, weighing on your mind, and you have a pleasant thing in front of you, you can't enjoy it. Because that's the same thing as you being in prison. It's like being in bondage. Go to John, the book of John. You know, how is it that I become free? Well, first of all, we got to think about a couple of things here, okay? And one is that everything that we as children of God are and have in life is on two fronts, if you will. There's the physical aspect of our lives, you know, which is how we get along in this physical world, you know. So there, freedom or lack of freedom could be you physically locked up in a prison cell, Okay, you're in bondage. You are physically in a jail where you can touch and feel. The other thing that we as Christians have is our spiritual realities. And the spiritual reality, don't forget, as we've spoken about for many years now, the spiritual reality is more real than the physical reality. Okay, so you can be in, you can be in bondage in prison physically, locked up behind bars, but you can also be in bondage spiritually. Okay? The way you get set free from a physical imprisonment, okay, is when your sentence is up and someone comes and unlocks the jail cell and you walk out, okay? Well, spiritually, we have another way of being free also. So, John chapter 8, verse number 30. Verse number 30. As he spoke these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Please underline, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Please underline that. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Okay? Okay? They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, you shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin, and the servant abides not in the house forever, but the son abides forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Underline that also. If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Okay? So first of all here, what he's saying, and the Pharisees didn't understand where he was coming from. They're basically saying, what do you mean you're going to make us free? We've never been locked up. We've never been in prison. Jesus is going beyond that. What he's saying there, if you're messing around and you're in sin, okay, and also a part of sin is unbelief, but part of sin is doubting, okay, if you're committing sin, then you are, you're not free. You're in bondage. You're in bondage. But once you come to know Jesus Christ, and if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then Jesus is saying, then you shall be made free. Now, it also doesn't say, and I always make a difference here because some translations will read, Jesus shall set you free. It says here, Jesus will make you free. All right. If you're set free, you can be captured again. 
If you have a bird that you've caught in a trap and you set him free, you can capture him again. If you're made free, you can never be captured again. So Jesus is saying here, he shall make you free. The other here, which is, which is, which is uh, critical to understand, it says there, um, verse number 31 and 32, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, if you follow God's word, then are you, are my, you are my disciples indeed. If you follow God's word, you're his disciples. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, understanding the truth is one of the most important things about being made free. All right? If you don't know the truth about what God says, it's very hard for you to remain free. Because you'll hear people that will be misquoting God's word, you'll hear people... That are saying this and saying that, all right? When an issue in life comes up about the tool at you, you know, the devil throws something in your way, and then all of a sudden you start feeling threatened. Oh boy, here we go again. Knowing the truth, just remembering God's words, because you know the truth, will make you free. If you don't know the truth and don't understand God's word, it's very hard for you to remain free. You see, and that's the problem that we as Christians struggle with for so many times. You know, if you don't know the God's, God's word, you don't know what the truth is, then it's hard for you to realize spiritually, I am free. You, you know, you know someone, someone said to me the, the, the other day, um, speaking about retirement and so on, and they were saying, oh, well, you know, are you going to build a house or get a house that's got an elderly and disabled ramp? You're going to get a, a master, you get a house with a master bedroom on the first floor so that in case you're sick and you can't get up to the second floor to get to bed and I said no I said I'm not doing that he said oh well what are you going to do when you start getting low I said first of all the Bible says I have 120 years at least okay and I said and secondly Jesus may come and rapture us before that so I'm certainly not going to be signing for an old package by saying that I'm going to be sick therefore I'm going to build an elderly and disabled ramp into my house and put my master bedroom on the first floor oh boy you have so much faith I said well all of us have faith if you're a Christian if you believe in God, then you have that faith. You, you, you see? So the truth shall make me free. So I am free from the worry of having, having to have a master bedroom on the first floor. I am free from, the, from worrying about having Ellie and disabled or, or ramped into my house. Why? Because I know the truth of what God's word said. You see? And so because I know the truth of what God's word says, it makes me free. It keeps me free from worrying about that when I become 102, am I going to be able to climb? The, the Lord keeps me here until I'm 102. Then I believe in doing so that he'll have me be able to climb stairs and do whatever it is because how am I going to glorify his name if I'm 102 hanging out on an elderly and disabled ramp someplace amen amen so the truth shall make you free Knowing the truth of what God's word says will stop you from worrying so much. Knowing the truth from what God's, what God's word says will keep you free from the um, opinions of other people. Knowing God's word will keep you free from worrying about every little ache or pain that you may get. Knowing the truth of what God says about you will keep you so free from being hung up about other people's opinions, issues of life, or anything else that may, going, may, may be going on around you. So the truth shall indeed make you free. Jesus encouraged them to follow his teaching, to rely on his promises, and to obey his commands, notwithstanding all temptations to do evil. You, you, see, you see, if we know the word of God and we're following it. In so doing, they would be his disciples truly, and by the teaching of his word and spirit, they would learn where their hope and strength lay. You see, 
If you're not studying God's Word, and I don't mean a, an occasional reading of the Bible, if you're not taking time to, to, to have some structure in your life, where you're reading the Bible and then you're asking God, well, what does that really mean? How does that apply in my life? Then you're not going to understand how His Word works for you, and therefore you will also wind up getting caught in bondage because you'll start worrying about things that you don't need to be worrying about. You see? Now, that doesn't mean that you don't come across the challenging events in life. We all have challenges. Every day of our life you can have a challenge. You know? You know? It, you know all of a sudden the ice dispenser in my refrigerator stopped working. Boy, oh boy, spewing ice out all over the place. And I'm serious. I pray about it. I pray about it. Lord, how should I go about getting someone to come over here to fix this doggone thing? You know? And nothing is so annoying as something that you take for granted until all of a sudden it breaks. You know? My family will tell you there's nothing worse than having you stand there half asleep and cold water and ice is dropping on your bare feet. Nothing will get your attention better, worse than, better than that. Amen? But you pray about every little thing that comes into your life. You see, knowing that the truth will make me free, that I know that God will, will get me to get the, the uh, repairman out there in the right amount of time, you know, and, and all of a sudden now that i got a date scheduled for a repairman, the thing is working. Isn't that the, always the case? That is not, not malfunctioning. But anyway, but he's still going to come and repair it. The point I'm making is that whatever little surprises come into your life, you have to get to the point, if you want to remain free, that is, you have to get to the point that the first thing you do is refer to the Word of God. And the only way you can do that is if you know the Word of God and if you know where to find it. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to memorize every single word in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. But you need to get to the point that in your spirit, you know, that if things are going wrong in my life, what's the first thing I need to do? The first thing I need to do is to go to the Lord. I got to seek the Lord. That's the first thing I need to do. Whatever this crazy thing is going on, I need to pray. I need to go to, go to the face of God. And then, then find a scripture. The Lord will many times direct you to a scripture. You know, it doesn't mean you have to memorize the whole Bible. You know, but it, you will find that as you grow as a Christian in life, and you've been reading the Word of God, and you've been praying, that when these inconveniences in life pop up, you'll be surprised how certain scriptures will come back to your memory. You'll be surprised, okay? The joy of the Lord is my strength. You know, you get a pain. By Jesus' stripes, I am healed. You know, you'd be surprised how these scriptures will come back to mind if you've been reading the Word of God and getting it deep down within your spirit. You see? You see? So we have to know and understand that knowing the truth and knowing His Word uh, is one of the ways that we can overcome any sort of surprises, quote-unquote, in our lives, which would want to keep you in bondage. You see, don't forget... You are no different than I, or I am no different from you. The devil, as a child of God, the devil would love to just put you out of commission. The devil would love to get you to a point where you just disbelieve God, you stop praying, you stop reading the Bible, you start losing all faith, you wind up falling into the doldrums, you wind up just moping and groping around, you wind up just feeling, feeling so discouraged, you're wondering if you're thinking right, if you're thinking clearly. This is the devil's plan to get you so off kilter that you won't follow the, follow the word of God. You see? So don't forget that. He walks around seeing who he can, can devour. Alright? But Jesus... Thanks to the victory on the cross, he defanged, he declawed the devil. And he doesn't have the power that many Christians give to him. All right? The devil can only have the power over your life that you allow him to have. All right? You have all of the tools in Christ Jesus to defeat him and overcome him. But he will make you forget how powerful you are. He will make you forget that you have the Lord, you have Lord Jesus, and therefore you wind up being right back in bondage. You wind up being in prison again. And when you have these issues going on in life that are so overwhelming to you, you will feel just like you are indeed behind iron bars. Because 
you, there, you have no freedom of movement. Okay? Christ spoke of spiritual liberty or freedom. But worldly people, people in the world that do not know the Lord, do not, they, they do not feel or understand bondage, quote-unquote, or issues that do not directly affect their body, their physical environment, or their possessions. What am I saying? Someone that is not a child of God has no concept if you start talking to them about being in bondage. Because all they can say, what do you mean I'm in bondage? I don't have any chains on my wrists or my ankles. I'm not in a jail cell. What do you mean in bondage? Okay? What do you mean? I, you know, and yet still, rain, snow, sleet, or whatever, certain times of the day, if I go out a certain door in the building, there's employees out there smoking. In the rain, in the snow, in the cold. And you tell me they don't, they're not in bondage? Anytime you've got something like a cigarette that will make you go outside in all weather and smoke the, and killing yourself, you're, you're in bondage, you see? But people that are not in the world, people that are not Christians, they don't understand what it's like to be in spiritual bondage, okay, to something or someone or some situation, all right? When people in the world get upset again and they start reacting some way and they have no other recourse than to do the evil things that they do to get out of that mess, they don't see that as being in bondage. So in other words, the, 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 the people that are non-Christians, are non-believers or unbelievers, they don't have any concept of what we're talking about, about being spiritually free. Okay? Spiritually free will make you physically free because there's nothing that can really hold you in bondage. Amen? When Paul was locked up in prison, he was physically locked up. Amen? But he was free. He was free spiritually. And lo and behold, you know what all happened there. When he and Silas prayed, the angels came and they opened, opened the gates, opened the, the, uh, the jail gates and let him out. Let them out, you see? So there's one thing here where people in the world do not really understand what it's like to be in bondage unless they are in physical bondage. They have no concept of being in spiritual bondage, which is what we're talking about here. Understanding God's word in relation to the times and what goes on in the world keeps you free. Understanding God's word in relation to the times, things that are happening, the current events, and what goes on in the world keeps you free. If you look at what, looking, look at what happened with Brexit, the British exit from the, uh, from the uh, uh, EU, all right, in the news, where people are so worried. People are so worried that it steals their freedom and puts them in bondage. I hear people all the time worrying about, oh, gee, what's going to happen to my 401k? What's going to happen to this? I have stocks and so on. And now because of that action, people in the world are so upset and they're so worried. Well, we as children of God, we as Christians should not let anything like that trouble us. Amen? Because I am free. I know what the Word of God says. The Word of God says He will supply all of my needs. You see, this is where it comes down to, it's so important that you know the Word of God. When this, when this hit the newspapers and hit the television. Everyone was so, so upset. Oh God, what is the future going to hold? I have nothing to worry about because God says that he will take care of me. You see, so that keeps me free. Right? But if you don't know the word of God and if you don't believe that Jesus has made you free, when these things in the news and on TV or whatever starts happening in the world, then you start worrying and you get so bent out of shape that you can't function. You see, and folks, I'm telling you, this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. If we as Christians, as children of God, don't learn how to really truly understand that Jesus has made us free, as it said in the scripture we just read, 
Jesus has made us free, then the things that are coming down the pike in this world, current events, it could be within your own home, could be within your family, could be things that's going on or coming, coming to go on. If you don't know that Jesus has made you free, then you will wind up being in spiritual bondage. All right? And that spiritual bondage, again, does not mean that you will be physically locked up behind steel bars and with, with um, handcuffs and shackles on your ankles. But it simply means that you're with family members, or you're with friends, you're in the workplace, and all of a sudden there's some discussion that goes on, or an argument breaks out, there's some disagreement, and then all of a sudden you start getting this weight on you, where you stop enjoying yourself and you start worrying, you'll wind up losing, the, losing sight of the fact that you're spiritually free from that. You know what the Word of God is saying to you. You know what God has promised you. You don't have to let yourself remain in that situation, you see. So we do not let ourselves become spiritually bound up to, um, based on the situations or the conditions of our lives at any given time. Jesus has made you free. If you know the truth, then you've been set free. Amen? Amen? If, if you've been set free, when the slaves were, were, were freed here and, and they were given a writ, you know, a paper that basically says that I'm a free man. They could not be pulled back into slavery again. They had a, they had a, writ, a piece of paper that said, I'm a free man. You can't bring me back into slavery again. Amen. Well, Jesus has given you a writ. He's given you a piece of paper, so to speak, in the form of, of the seal of the Holy Spirit, which he placed on you when you became born again, saying that you are free. You're one of his. You see? So don't let the devil draw you back into bondage, spiritual bondage. All right? And again, that spiritual bondage is how you wind up worrying about so many things. We as Christians, although we've been made free, we can fall back into spiritual bondage, which opens the door for misery, the doldrums, as I said before, and unhappiness for worry. Okay? You ever see a person just sitting around, everybody's talking and having a good time, and one person's just sitting there kind of staring, kind of staring off into nothing, not participating, just kind of staring? Many times when I notice that, it can be in the workplace or wherever, I, I, sometimes I sit there and I just silently say, say to myself, Lord, set them free. Set them free, Lord, from whatever bondage, whatever pain they're experiencing them, that actually has them zoning out from everybody else and just locked in on this one thing. Because that person is thinking about something. Whatever that event, whatever those circumstances are, it's being replayed in their minds over and over and over again. You know? So-and-so defriended me from Facebook. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know? And it just goes through their mind over and over again. Whatever it is. You see? You see? And when I see that oftentimes, I just silently pray, Lord, set them free. You know, whatever those thoughts are, because that's being in bondage. Wherever, whatever you're doing, if you can't enjoy yourself at any given point in time, you need to stop and reflect upon yourself in that moment. Lord, what's going on here? Why am I so preoccupied by these thoughts? Why am I so worried about these thoughts? Lord God, and remember the scripture, if you know the truth, the truth shall make you free. And think about all the promises that God has, has listed for us, okay? You don't have to worry about finances. God will supply all your needs, etc., etc. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. If you're worried about someone else doing harm to you or plotting against you, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Amen? So as you're sitting there and these thoughts start coming back on your mind, also remember that the devil walks around like a roaring lion, like or as a roaring lion, seeking who he can devour. Amen? The devil is out there trying to make you unhappy. The devil is out there trying to steal your joy. The, joy. the devil is out there trying to make you disbelieve what the word of God says is true. Amen? Amen? So this is an attempt to steal your freedom. Amen? Amen? So what you kind of do is, the reason I did that shaking exercise this morning is because, you know what? 
I would advise against you standing up on a crowded bus and start shaking like that. <laughs> Amen. But what I'm saying to you is that in your mind's eye, and those thoughts start saying that, you shake yourself and say, uh-uh, I'm free of that thought. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke that thought. Satan, get away from me. Spirit of worry, in the name of Jesus, I've been set free. Spirit of anxiety, get away from me. Spirit of fear, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And you shake that thought and shake those feelings free from you. Amen? Because you've been made free by Jesus Christ. Okay? I don't care what's going on in your life. There is nothing in your life so bad that you can be wound up, be, uh, be drawn back into bondage again. Okay, whether or not you go back into bondage is indeed, that's your, that, that's your, uh, your choice. You know, even the world recognizes that we have choices. And you've heard the, whole, the old phrase, you know. See this bottle of oil? You know, how would you say this is? Would you say this is about, I don't know, three quarters full? Or would you say it was one quarter empty? Okay? You've heard the expression, how you look at a glass of water. Is the glass half full or is the glass half empty? Amen? The person that is the pessimist will say, oh boy, that glass is half empty. Oh boy. The person that is, that, that is an optimist will say the glass is half full. Amen? Amen? You see? So how do you choose to look at things in life? You know, stress is indeed in the mind. We've all heard the expression about negative Nancy's. Okay, just when something is going great, there's always somebody that's got something negative to say. We all know one or two of those negative Nancys. Amen. Amen. So how many times do we hear that? All right. Okay. So you see, but I go along and it's not just being totally just, um, how can I say, foolishly optimistic. I'm always optimistic because the word of God tells me what the upside of everything is. Okay? Or even when something negative is going on in your life, alright? It's not that your life is half empty. It's something, it's merely that something has, has jumped in the way, trying to steal your joy, trying to steal your freedom, trying to put you back into bondage again. And based on the word of God, the glass is indeed still very much half full, okay, because of the fact that there is a way out. The word of God says, this is my state. This is my situation. I don't care what your physical situation is. Spiritually, you've been set free. And you should not let anything else take you, take you out of that. Okay? It all depends on how you choose to believe. Alright? It's all your choice. You can sit there and listen to me drone on and on about this. You can hear a whole lot of other preachers talk about it. But if you don't, you can even read it in the Word of God. But if you don't believe it and choose to accept it and believe what you're reading, then you're going to wind up being pulled back into that bondage again. Amen? Amen? And the other thing, too, is, 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 is retaining even what you're hearing here today. You know, you may leave here feeling pumped up. I hope you do, that the Word of God has shown me something new and I feel good about it, all right? And then the minute you get in the parking lot or you're on the way and you stop at the store and then something happens or Monday morning something happens and all of a sudden you forget everything that you heard on Sunday morning. Amen? So your choice is do I believe it first of all? Do you believe where those words you just read where Jesus said if you know the truth and you've been set free? Okay? And who Jesus has set free you're free indeed. Okay? And if you know the truth truth is Jesus one of Jesus' names with a capital T. So if you know the truth, capital T, if you know Jesus, then you'll be made free. Amen. Who Jesus has made free, you're free indeed. So you're free. Okay. If you choose to start worrying, if you choose to just sit and stare out into nothingness, trying to solve your problem or letting that issue replay itself over and over, which is pulling you down, making you more and more, uh, more and more depressed. 
everything, you know. In one of my other sermons before, we talked about how depression, if it goes unchecked, or any worry, if it goes unchecked, winds up becoming real, real depression, where you got to all of a sudden, you got to seek help from so many different places, amen? Whereas the word of God is the source of all that you need, amen? But, but, but check that stuff at the door. Don't let it, don't let it get a foothold, or a foothold in your life, amen? We, we, and, and also, the other thing, again, about knowing God's word, go to Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. You know, it, it seems like so many things, when Jesus says, which we're going to read in a minute, about being careful for nothing, we kind of think that, oh well, that's a nice thing that Jesus is saying to me, but how many actually stop and think that Jesus is saying to you, be careful for nothing, that he's telling you to do it, Okay. And by you taking on these cares and worrying about them, are you maybe being disobedient to what Jesus is telling you to do? He said, don't, be, don't, don't care for things. He said, don't, don't worry about things. You see? Now, you know, now that doesn't mean that we shouldn't, we, we shouldn't stop. We've got something going on in our lives that needs to be addressed. That doesn't mean that we just go and stick our heads in the sand like an ostrich. It means that when something needs to be done. But what it's saying is, don't care for anything. Okay? And you heard me, heard me say before, one of the things I, I love to say, I don't care. I don't care. And that doesn't mean I don't care about you or I don't care about this. It means that I refuse to care about negative situations. I don't care. I won't carry those cares. The minute that burden comes on to me, I give it to the Lord. Cast your cares upon the Lord because the Lord cares for you. You see? And how can God care for you if you're carrying all the cares? Me, which means you're trying to do it yourself. You're not more powerful than God. Amen? So starting with Philippians chapter 4, verse number 1. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved. Again, this is about understanding that Jesus is the believer's strength. Okay? Jesus is our strength. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, uh, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Underline stand fast in the Lord. Okay? Stand fast means to don't be swayed. Don't be swayed, you know. You know, we, we, can, we can be so into scripture and understanding it while we're in church, you know. And after we leave church, we kind of lose that steadfastness. So standing fast in the Lord means to, 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 to be the same. To plant your feet solidly and don't let yourself be moved. Verse number two. I beseech Eodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help these women uh, which labored with me in the gospel. With Clement also and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Underline verse number four. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. And you know something with that? When you got that negative thought or that negative thing that's all of a sudden come up in your life, when you start rejoicing in the Lord, and how do you rejoice in the Lord when you got negative things going on? That's where you start thinking about what God said, what God promised to you. That he's going to take care of you. That he's going to do this for you. That there's nothing that can take you down. All of a sudden, that worry, that burden that you're carrying, that thing that is trying to present itself as handcuffs and shackles to your legs, will all of a sudden disappear and fall off. And you will feel rejoicing. Because you'll be free. You'll say, I don't have to worry about this. I don't have to carry that. 
You know, you know, you know, God is going to take care of that, you see? And the wonderful part about that, and when I say this to you, I'm not saying this to you um, intellectually speaking. I'm saying this to you because I've been there. When that thing presents itself in your, to you, and then all of a sudden you remember and you hear the word of God coming back to you, God will supply all of your needs. God will not let anything uh, happen to you. God will, uh, any weapons formed against me shall not prosper. When all that starts happening, and this thing that you're thinking about for tomorrow or Monday morning starts coming into mind, and you start remembering the promises, all of a sudden what comes to you and you say, well, gee, I don't care because I cast my cares over to God. When you sit there and you realize that you don't know what the answer is, many times I've gone off on a Monday morning or any time other during the week when something has happened and I didn't know what the answer was, but I just simply say, I give it to God. All right, Lord, you know the answer. You'll get me out of this the way you have always. All of a sudden, there's a lightness that comes upon me. The joy, the rejoicing. Because I know that I can get up and go forth Monday morning knowing that whatever shakes out of this, God is going to be the one that's in charge. You see? And that will give you that joy. This is it. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Amen? Amen? If you were, were going into a, you know, a, a fight, let's say, you know, and I had a big, have a big brother and things like that and you're a kid and you got to three o'clock comes and you got to leave school and take that long walk home and you're worried about the bully beating you up but your brother's going with you you go out rejoicing because you know that whatever happens big bro's going to take care of him you know and you kind of rejoice about it you don't feel so down and worried about it well you got to get that same point in life when things happen knowing that God is going to take care of you you don't know necessarily how it's going to happen but just rest assured if God gives a promise which he has that he's going to take care of you just rest assured that whatever happens happens, God is going to get you out of the situation. And the joy that I feel is, okay, Lord, let me sit back and see how you're going to do this one. You know, all right, Lord, let me see how you're going to handle this one. I know what you did with the others, so let me see how you're going to do it again. And that's where the rejoicing comes in. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Verse number five, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, underline, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known, made known unto God. Okay, Lord, the refrigerator dispenser's broke, ice is spewing out, water spewing out. Okay, Lord, how am I going to fix this? What am I going to do? You, you show me the way, show me the way. I'm not going to care about it. I'm not going to care about it. Okay? It so turns out in calling the warranty people or whatever and so forth like that, it's not going to cost me a dime to have it fixed. It'll be out Monday morning, praise the living God. So rejoice in the Lord always. I, again, I say rejoice. You see? But you don't care for anything. A situation rises up, it doesn't mean you should just turn your back. Okay, the ice is spewing on the floor. I'm just going to walk away and just leave it. It doesn't mean to turn your back. It means to address whatever in your life is going on. But you address it through God. You address it prayerfully. What does it say? Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Supplication is asking. By prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. The ice dispenser is broke, but I praise you that I got an ice dispenser. I praise you I got a refrigerator. I praise you I got food in my refrigerator. Amen. There's so much to be thankful for. Let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, when you do that, verse number 7, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, underline, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. All right? So when you're doing all, all the thing, everything that verse number 6 says, the peace of God, which passes understanding. Okay? When that person says to you, well, gee whiz, how can you be so peaceful when all of this is going on in your life? They won't understand. They won't understand. You know? 
You've heard me say time and time again over the years in my career, I've seen when companies have downsized and people actually got those pink slips put on their desks, which meant that was your last day of work, you know, and they around the, everyone's buzzing around the office, you know. Aren't you worried about that? And say, no, I got a piece. I got a piece. Because I know that if I, want, if I wound up getting a pink slip, and praise God, I never did, but if I got a pink slip, that God will move me someplace else. It would be a green and grassy and a cool slip. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Where I don't worry, you see. But that peace people don't understand, especially people of the world. Okay? That peace that passes all understanding. It's saying, what shall that peace do? It will keep your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. You see? So when you've got that peace... It will keep your heart, it will keep your spirit calm. Because you will not be worried about what's going to happen or about what I should do. Okay? All right. This is being free. This is being free. Knowing that no matter what comes, presents itself in your life. You know? And I say this especially to young couples that are just starting out. You've got to get a grasp on this. You've got to get a handle on it. Because if you don't understand that, because Jesus said that, that, that when you have tribulations, he didn't say if. Jesus says when you have tribulations. Okay? Jesus is greater than the world, okay? Jesus can overcome whatever is going on in your life. But you've got to choose to believe that God is going to be there to bail you out. And you have to know what the Word of God says about, about any situations that might come up. Amen? You run to God in prayer and with supplications. All right? And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Underline that. Think on these things. Okay? So one of the things that I do literally is when I start getting these negative thoughts, you know, you all know that I love, like, you know, astronomy and things of the heavens, you know. And, and, and I mean, I can be laying there in bed. I mean, I'm just like you all. I got things coming up on Monday morning that I got to think about. And when those thoughts are troublesome, I literally will lay there in bed and I will just start thinking about the heavens. I'll start trying to imagine what heaven would look like. I start thinking about the universe. I start thinking about the wonderful things of God. I start thinking about the million and one questions that I have of God when I get to heaven. And I start thinking on those things, okay? And when I start thinking on those things, those other negative thoughts disappear. And next thing you know, I'm asleep, okay? Jesus is saying, saying, think on these things. Think on these things. Don't dwell on those negative things that present themselves in your life. Because otherwise you wind up being pulled back into bondage. Amen? Amen? Don't be dwelling and planning and thinking about a situation that is about to come. Okay? And and what those people may be bringing with that situation. Okay? I mean, I I, I plead the blood of Jesus over meetings. When I know that there's a meeting coming up on a Monday morning. You know, and I said, I know there's certain people that may be in opposition to what I'm trying to present. I plead the blood of Jesus and I will not let those people that are coming into the meeting bring a negative situation to me. I won't do it. Amen? And so you have to get to the point that you're always thinking, I will think on these things. I won't dwell on these things, you know? Well, then how do you prepare? Well, first of all, I know what I need to do. And then, but most importantly, is I give it to God. Okay? When those people come in the room, I pray that anything, any, any single demonic forces, those negative people any, that are being driven by demonic forces, that God will keep them out of the conference room. Won't let them come in to mess up the meeting. Amen? So that people, you know, we, 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 can't, we can't always isolate ourselves from people that are negative or from situations that are negative, but we can certainly bring God into the picture because God said that he's got your back. 
Again, that's where you got to know the scriptures. Okay, God's got your back. He's got your front. Amen. Remember when, when the Israelites were going through the wilderness there? They were, they were led, by the, uh, led by the fire. And the pillar, the pillars, pillars, the cloud, okay, was leading them and, and protecting them from behind. Well, God will be doing the same thing for you. But you've got to believe that. All right? You've got to believe that. So it says, gives you a whole list of things. Think of those things that are just. Whatever things are pure. Whatever things are lovely. Think on these things. Verse number nine. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. All right? Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Okay? Now, those, those things that you have both learned and received and heard of are certainly in the word of God. You've heard it through sermons. Okay? You read it through scripture. All right? So it's telling you to do those things. Verse number 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me um, hath, hath flourished again. Wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Please highlight on verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. One of the ways you can get back into bondage real quick is not being content with the things that God has blessed you with. You get into bondage real quick. Amen. That kind of bondage can lead into envy. It can lead into hatred. It can lead into a root of bitterness. Bitterness that can just get on and on and on and on and on. God will bless you. God will supply all you need. Amen. Amen. So what I have, I am content. What I have, I am content. You know, don't look at the Joneses next door who've got the boat, you know, and the fancy cars and a house on each continent. Don't look at them and wish that you had the same thing. Whatever you have to be content. Amen. Amen. God will give you all that you need. Amen. God will not necessarily give you all that you want, but he will certainly give you all that you need. Amen. And there's a good reason for that, because some of the things that we want in life are not the best things for us. God knows what is good for us, okay? Okay? And so he, he, but he just says there, whatsoever state I'm in, therewith be content. I, I know, he's saying, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to be bound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ Jesus which strengtheneth me. Please underline that. And then write in your margin, I'm free. Okay, I can do all things through Christ Jesus which strengthens me. I am free. So what he's saying is that I've known what it's like to be rich. I've known what it's like to be poor. I've known what it's like to have plenty of food. I've known what it's like to be hungry. Amen. He says, but, but in, in all of these things, though, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Notwithstanding, you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, which I departed from, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. So in other words, they were caring for him. Um, Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all, and I, and, and I have all, and abound. I am full, having received of Ephroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God, my God, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Underline that. That's one of the scriptures you should have on your refrigerator. Or on, on, on a little... Uh, sticky post-it on your bathroom mirror. Okay, remember, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. Okay? And there's one Christian that I know of where at some point in life did not have a need. 
Okay? I can't think of anyone. That's one point in life. You had a need for money, you had a need for something, a situation to be better or whatever. Well, well, whether that's a financial need, whether it's a healing need, whether it's a spiritual need, whether it's an emotional need, whether it's a need for family, for friends, or any kind of situation to be better, God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen? So once you know that, again, you're free. You're free. You can shake that worry, that thought, those things off. You can shake this like you did this morning when you shook it off. I, you know, you know, but my God shall supply all my needs. So what are you worried about a bill being paid? What are you worried about something, something working out? Okay? Okay? My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every... Um, Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me uh, greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Amen. So you see here the operative words here are knowing that God shall supply all your needs. And also by seeking God out in prayer and supplications when there is a need. That this peace that shall pass, pass all the standing uh, shall, shall be upon you. You know, And, 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 and do you choose... And I say choose. Do you choose to carry a burden in your life without prayer? Do you choose to do that? If you've got a burden in your life going on and you're not praying about it, then you're you're, you're kind of foolish. You're kind of foolish because you're letting yourself be imprisoned when you have the key to get out of the prison. I certainly don't know of any prisoners that are in the physical world, in, in, in Oregon State Prison or any other prison in the world, that if they had the key to get out of the prison, they'd stay in there. Amen? Well, we as Christians, we as children of God, we have the key to be set from bondage because Jesus has made us free. Amen. So why is it that we allow ourselves sometimes to go back into bondage, you know? A couple of more scriptures here. We go to 1 Peter. Oh, glory to God. 1 Peter chapter 5. One Peter five. You know the, the the thing about it is that we forget how much how much God cares about us. Uh, One Peter five, and we're going to start with verse number five. One Peter five five. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So another thing we have to remember is about humility. Okay? And humility, in, in biblical terms, doesn't mean that we grovel and we go around crawling on our bellies and pleading. It just means that remember that, remember that you're not greater than God. And just because God has blessed you with many, many gifts, you know, that you don't get, um, you, you don't become, you know, uh, braggadocio and, and stuff like that. You just don't get outrageously all puffed up. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. God will exalt you in due time. Here it is. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Please underline verse number 7. Casting all your care upon him, because he cares for you. You know, again, God, God can't care for you if you're doing all the caring yourself. But the minute that you say, Lord, I'm going to give this to you to care for me, that's when he rolls up his sleeves and he starts doing what he needs to do. Verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, 
Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Please highlight all of that. Be sober, be vigilant. Being vigilant means to watch out. Okay? Means to, be, means to watch out. Watch out means, means to be on your guard. On your guard. Because you don't know when someone or something or some situation is going to present itself to try and just turn you away from God. Or to try to steal your joy. To try, to try and get, you, get your focus off of God. Uh, who, who resists... Uh, let me start at 8 again. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Okay? So it says there in verse number 9, resist steadfast in the faith. In other words, you resist the devil by remaining strong in your faith. And also know that the same thing that you're running into in life are the same with other Christians in the world. You know, you're not in a situation, what's happening to you is not necessarily unique to you. It's happening to other Christians. You know, the point is that how do you deal with it? Verse number 10, but the God of all grace who has called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Okay, so in other words, after you go through what you're going through, it says after you have suffered a while, will make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And amen. Okay? So here we see again the key, the key verses here is uh, um, to cast your cares upon God and to beware because the devil is out there. You know, the devil would love to bring you right back into captivity. You know? And so you, ask, you need to ask yourself, how good are you at casting your cares upon Jesus? You know? Ask yourself that. You know? Only you know the answer to that. How good are you at when something comes into your life and there's a challenge and there's a situation? How quick are you to run to God and cast that care unto Him? Amen. The sooner you do it, the better off you are. Amen. Because the longer you take to do that, what happens is that we as human beings, because, you know, it, it's, it's so easy in a way, it, it's kind of easy to say, you know, I come to you, Jesus. You, you know, I, you're my Lord and Savior. You know, I, I repent of all my sins, come into my life, take control, accept you, Lord and Savior, you're born again, and so on like that. But it's so easy for us as human beings that when a situation comes into your life, that you try to settle it yourself. That you try to solve it yourself, you know? You know? And, and, and the more things that you wind up, if you, if you think that you solve them yourself, then you start building in more confidence in yourself, and you forget about going to God. Amen? So how many times do things happen in your life where right away you try to solve it? Okay? You try to solve it. Amen? Amen? It doesn't mean that you just totally just give up and you say, all right, Lord, you just take it. I mean, you think about it and you dwell it, but you should be doing that in concert with God. You shouldn't be trying to solve it absent God and without God. Amen? Amen? So how many times, how, how good are you? How good are we at casting our cares upon Jesus? That's what you need to ask yourself. You know, and only you can answer that. Again, when things happen in, in, in my life, asking, how quick am I to run to God with this? Especially when you don't know the answer. Especially when you don't know how to fix it. Because what will happen, I'm telling you, I bet you dollars to donuts, what will happen if you don't give it to God, you sit there and the longer you don't give it to God, you're thinking this, promise, this, this, this problem through, you're thinking it through, and you're trying to come up with solutions. The longer you wait, the solutions that you come up with are, being more, are, are worsening and worsening, and you're, and you're coming up with, with, with solutions that are not going to work. Okay? Because God knows your future. 
how you're trying to solve it is not going to work. It could be detrimental to you. Amen. So the best thing to do is to cast your care upon God. Okay, God, here's this situation. Here's this person. Here's this going on. Okay, how do I handle this? What should I do? Okay, all right, all right. And you ask yourself, how, how easy am I to do that? How, e- how easy, how good am I at doing it? Last scripture here, I promise you, is Matthew. Matthew chapter 6. And we know these scriptures because we've been here many times. But it certainly is, a, is appropriate in terms of knowing that you've been made free. Oh, glory to God. Matthew 25. No, I'm sorry, Matthew 6. And we're going to go to verse 25. Matthew 6. Okay. You're free. Remember that. I am free. Matthew 6.25 Therefore I say unto you... Now, if you ever read a lot of Bible, these words are written in red, meaning that it's Jesus speaking them. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on, is not the life more than, more than meat, and the body than raiment. Amen? Do you take it so far as asking God, which tie shall I wear today? Eh? I do. Depending on where I'm going and things like that. Alright, Lord, which tie shall I put on? Okay? Give no thought for these things. You know, you get in the habit of directing your actions for what to you may seem like the silliest thing gets you in the habit of going to God. Okay? You've heard me say for years when it comes down to, to getting rid of a hangnail. That I will literally, okay, Lord, guide my shaky hand for this. You know, you push that hangnail the worst way, the it, it, wrong way, it hurts more and all of that. Okay, you know how that can be. I will pray, all right, Lord, guide my hand to cut off a hangnail. All right? Because one simple thing is, if I do that for a hangnail, or this, to maybe to others would seem silly, it gets me into the habit of not worrying about things but going to God. Okay? Okay? And so God is saying that he's saying it, take no thought for your life. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, or, 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 or not nor for your body. What shall you put on? Isn't the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment or clothing? Behold the fowls of the air, for they, they don't sow, neither do they reap, nor gather into bonds. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? So if God provides food for animals that, you know, to us are obviously are much less than us, don't you think God's going to provide for you? Okay? Right. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Okay? And why take you thought for raiment or clothing? Why take you thought for clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't toil, neither do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? In other words, God cares for the grass. The lawn guy comes out and cuts the grass and the grass gets destroyed. Okay, but if God cares for the grass in the field, then how much more does he care about you? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all of these things do the Gentiles seek. 
Uh, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. Please highlight all of verse number, number uh, 32. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. God knows what you have need of. But seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Right? So if first you focus on God, then everything else that you need will be given unto you. You see, you see and that's what me, we as Christians many times forget. Especially when something negative presents itself in your life. You focus on God and his kingdom. All these things will be added to you. Take therefore no thought for the, for the morrow. Take no thought for tomorrow. For tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Okay? In other words, don't be worried about tomorrow. There's enough going on today. Okay? There's enough going on today then for you to be worrying about tomorrow. Give tomorrow to God. Give today to God, especially if you've got something going on in your life that's got you troubled, that's got you worried. Okay? Okay? We all have plans for things coming up in our lives. How much are we giving that to God? How much are we, are we praying about it as we progress and get closer, closer, and closer to those plans? All right? Tomorrow's Monday, tomorrow's Monday morning. Tomorrow is Monday morning. Going back to work. Whatever is going on. You know, have you prayed about it? Have you given it to God? Or is there something that you're worried, that you're worrying about? Okay? How many of you pray, pray for parking spaces? You know, you know, we went, went, to, went to the movies yesterday and I said, oh boy, this time of day we're probably not going to get a, a space here in the, in the uh, parking structure there. And I silently prayed, oh Lord, let us get a space and turn the corner and the second space from where we needed to go was there open space. You were in the car. Amen. I pray, about, I pray about things like that. Lord, let me find a parking space. You see, you know, I said, oh, you're silly, you're silly, you're silly. No, I'm doing what the word of God says. God said you shall supply all your needs. I needed a parking space. Amen. Amen. So that's how personal and how, and how I tie God into every aspect of my life. But if you learn to do that, then you wind up remaining free. Okay? You know, so think about the little exercise you did today, how you shook yourself free. And don't let yourself be drawn back into captivity again. Because as the word of God says, who Jesus has made free is free indeed. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I pray this message has been a blessing to you. And now before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings.